Hey, the, the stuff you dropped just before we're going to come on air. Make you think. As you would say. As you would say. Make you think. Blair and Barker for Tuesday. Jays and Cubs will play the second of their three-game series tonight, 7:07 at the Rogers Center. Marcus Stroman against Kevin Gossman. Tomorrow it's Mitch White against, to be confirmed. Huh. I was going to say to be dominant, but huh. that's not right. The Jays coming off a 5-4-11 inning win over the Cubs last night. Delivered on a Danny Jansen walk-off by a Danny Jansen walk-off single. Set up by a Danny Jansen three-run home run as uh, the Jays. I I guess Kevin kind of flipped the script a little bit after that weekend against the Los Angeles Angels. Well, I mean, Danny Jansen's home run basically allowed him to score as many runs as they did. I mean, I would be the guy that raises your hand and say that they had to work awfully hard against the team. It's not real good. And against a pitcher who was they've never seen before. I mean, it's, that's, before. it's not just simplifying it. Say, see ball, hit ball. Is it straight? Look at my zone. Eh. Don't overthink it. Let's bring in Buck Martinez. He is our Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. He and Dan Shulman will, of course, have the call of the game today. Tonight, I should say, Marcus Stroman against Kevin Gossman. Buck, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Look, we you were uh, you had some pretty pointed words on Sunday for the Blue Jays. A lot of people did. Uh, you had some pretty pointed words. Did you did you did you like what you saw yesterday a little more? <laughs> yeah, much better. It was a, a much better effort all around. Defense, pitching, everything was uh, a lot tighter obviously. And you know what? It's just uh, I mean, the, the game is hard. I know that. But at the same time, you've got to give yourself a chance to perform in these situations. And you know what? I don't want to hear, you know, I'm tired. You play six months. And, uh, you know, these guys are in the best shape of their lives. They're young guys. And uh, you should be able to go out there and uh, block out all that and just prepare to play a major league game every day. Buck, why do you think they struggle so much against guys they've never faced before? I think that just is a reflection of the way baseball is right now, Kevin, Mm -hmm. because everybody relies so much on information. You know, nobody watches the pitcher warm up anymore. Everybody looks at the iPad. Everybody looks at the the notebook and, and gets video instead of looking at the guy out on the field. And you know what? We had a game when the Guardians were here not long ago on the last homestand where Jose Ramirez was sitting on the top of the dugout bench watching the pitcher on the mound. And it was so unusual, I pointed it out. I said, there's a great hitter, and he's looking at the pitcher that he's going to have to face tonight. He's not looking at what he's done against him in the past. He wants to know what is happening right now. And that's the same for George Springer. I talked to Springer about his preparation the other day. He said, I don't like a lot of information because every single day is different. That guy might not have his best fastball this day. He might have a better breaking ball than the last time I faced him. So I have to get current information from in-game at-bats on that particular day. So when he's looking at... I, get get back ahead. to your point. Let yep. me get back to your point. It's, you know, all of these guys are so reliant on information and video and everything else that when you don't have a lot of video against a guy like Assad last night, uh, you'd have to go up there and, and play old school like you did uh, growing up in uh, in high school and college, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about the guy, so you go up there and you ask the guy ahead of you, how did he look? What did he have? And that's how you have to play games like that. So when we see George Springer looking at the iPad, 
Because he does look at it. What is he? What is he looking at? Is he looking at how his swing looked, or or what is he trying to yes, figure exactly. out? Exactly. He's he's looking at the swing path uh, okay. more than anything. He's not looking at what the batter is, or what the pitcher is throwing. He's looking at the the path of his bat, and that's the most important thing in his mind for him. Uh, do you see anything different with Vladdy's approach at the plate? I want to talk about mechanics. Yeah, I, again, it's about sort of what you're swinging at and what you don't swing at this time of the year. But, he, Buck, he rolls over a lot of pitches, and it's repetitive. Like, he does it a lot consistently on a, on a daily basis. Are you seeing one specific thing with him at the plate? I, I think he's just trying too hard. Yeah. I think that's what happens, and that's a result of when you're trying too hard. You know, you've been there, Kevin, sure. when you know i got to get a hit. You know, I'm over 15. I need a hit. You try harder. Mm-hmm. Charlie Now, a great hitting instructor in Kansas City, used a phrase that really makes a lot of sense. Try easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Maddox, Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz, they did that when they pitched. When they got into a jam, they didn't try to throw harder. They tried to throw easier and just make better quality pitches. And that's the same true for a hitter. You know, you know, Kevin, when you have good games and you get to the end of the game and you had three or four hits and four or five good at-bats, you go, man, that didn't feel like anything. I was just so relaxed. Everything was easy. And that's generally what happens. When you're most relaxed, whatever you're doing, that's when you're going to perform the best. Buck, there's been a lot of focus on Bo Bichette for much of this year, and he seems to become have become the focal point for a lot of people. Look, my, my friend Mr. Barker has talked about maybe this is just a bad year, and every, guys have yeah. it. Um, you know, I'm kind of at the point now, you're not going to trade him, nothing's going to happen, you've got a month left, let's just, you know, try to try to win. Try to win in September, and we can worry about all that that other stuff that, that, uh, that comes that comes down the road. But one thing that I am interested in about Bo, and I wanted your opinion on this, the shift is going away next year. Is that going to help or hurt Bo defensively? Do you think? It's going to help him all. It's going to, and this is one thing, and it was, it was really played out in last night's game. And how many ground balls got through the infield against the shift last night? When you're playing against a team that you've not seen before, how in the world can you set up a shift batting against your pitchers who haven't seen that hitter before, and you're going to tell me you can predict where he's going to hit it? Mm -hmm. I've got to stay straight up, let the pitch, and tonight we'll probably see it with Gosman because he hates the shift. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to see anybody shift. But last night there were so many ground balls that snuck through the infield because of the shift. And I just can't understand how you can play a shift against a team that you never see, they haven't seen them forever, and hitters that you've never faced, and you're going to tell me that you can predict where they're going to hit it? I think you've got to play everybody straight up, let your defenders make judgments as to the swings they see during the course of that game against your pitcher. And, and it just drives me nuts when ground balls or routine ground balls that go through a vacated position. I think they put way too much emphasis in the shift, and I think it hurts the pitchers. Buck, do you think Kevin Biggio should play more in September? Uh, yeah, but you know what? There are only so many spots on the field, Kevin. Sure, yeah. <laughs> he, he's really played well. And he you has. know what you get with Kevin, and we have seen it this year since he's come up, uh, since he's come back. Uh, you know, he's predictable. 
you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. He's not going to uh, chase a lot of bad pitches. He's going to work the count. He's going to get a pretty good pitch to hit. He's going to bust his ass on the bases. He's going to give you uh, a sure-handed defense. Might not be the greatest range of second, but he's going to catch everything he gets to. And, yeah, he deserves to play. But so does Santiago Espinal, and so does Whit Merrifield. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good situation. You know, Santi, to me, is a terrific player, although we got to teach him how to bunt. But anyway, he... Uh, yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of a that going player. on, Buck, though. There's a lot of that going oh, on. my God. Class will be full. You know, what, Class what, will be full. What are we going to do in the American League Championship Series when you're down by a run uh, with Verlander and you've got runners at first and second? Who's going to bunt the guys to second and third? Oof. You know? And that, that play was so obvious. And, and you know... And Dan asked me, he says, uh, where do you try to bunt the ball? I go, no, you don't try to bunt the ball. You bunt it to the third baseman. <laughs> and you know what? These guys are major league players, and, and you can tell me all you want to about the, the value of the bunt is uh, is discounted now. But you know what? It would have been nice last night in extra innings to have somebody bunt those guys over. Buck, you think we give Jordan Romano enough credit? No, I don't. I, I think he's, uh, he's, he's developed into a Dwayne Ward, Tom Hankey kind of closer. Cool. And you know what? I love his demeanor. I mean, when you talk to him off the field, uh, you would think he might be a math teacher or an English professor. But you see him on the mound, he turns into an animal. (laughs) And I love that. He's uh, he's a terrific kid. And my gosh, can you imagine what he's going through doing this in his hometown, in a ballpark where he used to sit as a kid and watch the Blue Jays dreaming about playing in the big leagues? And here he is, uh, one of the best closers in the game, pitching in a pennant race, trying to get his team to the postseason. He has done a hell of a job for the team. And you know what? Uh, and and I, I'll criticize him from time to time because he overuses that slider, but boy, it works for him. And, you know, he throws 100. And if I was catching him, boy, I'd really use that fastball. But uh, what he's doing is working, so you can't criticize him because he's done a hell of a job. And you're right, Kevin. I think that's a great point. We probably don't acknowledge what a terrific closer he has turned into. And it it seems to me, Buck, that he has gotten better since John Schneider has been a little more aggressive with him. You know, are are you seeing the same? I don't know if it's it's possible pitching more makes you throw harder or whatever. He just seems to be more – he looks more like a closer to me, the way John Schneider is using him right now. I don't know if that's so much John Schneider as, as it is Jordan Romano. Ah, okay. Because I think he has made the, I think he has made the point of saying, "Hey, I'm your man now. Don't okay. uh, don't think that I can only go one inning like he did in Boston the other day." I mean, I think he walks off the field and gives the skipper the look. Hey, I'm good. You just leave me right where I'm at right now. But I think he understands the significance of the situations right now, and uh, he wants the ball. And you know what? That's the separator for closers and guys that are good setup men. They want to be on the field when the game is on the line. You know what? And, and, and the Blue Jay fans will know this, and, and we all hated Dennis Eckersley. But Dennis Eckersley wanted to be on the field with a game on the line, and that's why he had so much emotion, and that's why he'd pump his fist because he always told me, he said, I was so afraid of letting my team down that when I did the job and got out of it, it was just a release of emotions. And you know what? It's an, it's an emotion-filled role, and your, your team is counting on you with the game on the line, and that's a great responsibility. Not everybody can handle it. We have seen guys that have thrown 100 and had wipeout sliders that just can't pitch in the ninth inning. 
So give Jordan a lot of credit, and I give you a lot of credit, Kevin, for bringing it up because I think you're right. I think he's pitching much better than we acknowledge. Uh, Buck, I know that uh, Kirky's DH the last couple of days, but Danny Jansen had that really good offensive night last night. Danny Jansen has to catch tonight, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially especially if uh, if George can play in the uh, in center field again, and you know that's something that uh, is no small measure for him to be out in center field. Really frees up John to get Kirk in the lineup as a DH, get Danny Ryan to play. And you know what? You got to ride the emotions of these short spurts. You know, Danny mm-hmm. had a big home run in Boston. Now he hits a game, uh, a, a three run home run to get him back in the game, and then he wins it. You got to ride that emotion and put him right back in the lineup tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, you know, I know that you've been a big fan of Danny Jansen's for, for a long time. I mean, we all have, but um, it does, it, it seems, Buck, that when he does something good, this team, this team responds. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if it can be proven analytically, probably not, but he does seem to find himself in the middle of a lot of stuff that goes on positively with this team. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Jeff. I'm not going to prove anything analytically. I'll guarantee you that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll give you my thoughts about Danny. You know, Danny is a kid that grew up in this organization. And, uh, you know, he was one guy that always gave you everything he had every single day. And and John Snyder's known him since he was a kid in the system. So I think everybody looks at Danny as a a team player. And you're right. he knows that his first responsibility is the pitcher to get the best out of the pitcher. And whatever he does is a big shot in the arm to him and to the team. So I think you're right. I think when Danny comes through, it's almost like, okay, we got a little extra from Danny tonight. And that's special. Buck, you've been around forever. Obviously you've seen everything. I I wonder, I, I talked to coaches last year about this team, about making, they just wanted to get into the playoffs, how much they were pressing, trying to get in. I wonder if that's sort of the same thing this team's going through this year. It's just, they have to get into the playoffs. If they get in, they can make a little decent run at it because they're in the playoffs. Do you think that's what they're going through? Uh, yeah, I, I think the reality of, um, you know, being swept over the weekend by the Angels kind of slapped them in the face. And mm-hmm. you know what? We might mess this up. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you go back to uh, the preseason predictions, and it was supposed to be the Blue Jays in the World Series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, there were high expectations, and of course, and that's both before Rio went down. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that have happened since. But right now, you know, they're in a playoff berth right now, but boy, oh boy, with that series over the weekend, I think that slapped cold water on everybody in that clubhouse going, hey, we better wake up because we've got Tampa Bay and Baltimore coming up. And they got four games in three days in Baltimore on this next road trip. And, and you know what? Baltimore is good. They're playing good. And they don't believe, they haven't read any of their press reports about how they should be under 500. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've got a tough schedule ahead of you, and you better pay attention to details. And I think that has really, uh, I think everybody felt that over the weekend. On Sunday night, I'm sure a lot of them went home and says, man, we could screw this up. What should their approach be, the Jays' approach be against Marcus Stroman tonight? Um, don't get overhyped. Don't try to... Uh, you know, out emotion him. I mean, he's always an emotional kid. He's going to be again tonight. You know, they paid him a nice video tribute last night, and he did some big things for this team. 
in 2015 when he hurt his uh, knee and came back in September and won four games in September and then won a big game in the playoffs. I mean, he had some great moments for this organization. And you have to make sure that you don't allow your emotions to try to match his and just have good at-bats, you know. Make the pitch be up. He's going to throw you a lot of moving fastballs, a lot of sinking fastballs, and use the slider a lot. So you got to make sure, once again, if it's not there, take it and let the next guy do it. We saw a little bit of that last night. But uh, he's going to be pumped up, and he's going to want to uh, beat his former team. He's had a lot of success on this mound. He's going to look to have some more tonight. But, but as hitters, you, you can't match his emotion. Yeah, with Kevin Gosman, you know, the velocity has went down a little bit, but I think he was relying a little bit more on movement. Is that what you saw, and should fans be a little worried about velocity with him? No, I wouldn't worry about velocity with him. I, I, I think the one thing that he has done uh, – very well, and he's done it the last couple of years. I had a great chat with him in the last couple of days about his evolution as a pitcher and how it came about because he was one of the he was the first pitcher taken in the draft in 2012 mm-hmm. out of LSU. And you know, there's a time when you're like, well, I mean, you guys just pointed out how Romano's velocity jumped the last few times. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's going to go up and down this time of the year. You're not going to go to the mound every single day as a starter when you make 33, 34 starts and have perfect stuff every night. You have to be able to make adjustments on the fly, and I think Kevin can do that. Can do that, And I, I think he has the ability to make some changes if he needs to. You know, he's made changes this year by using more fastballs down in his own for strikes. I mean, he was pretty predictable early in the season. Fastball up, splitter down, and now he's mixed it up pretty effectively. But I wouldn't worry about his velocity. I'd worry about the execution of his location more than anything. Buck, really good of you to join us, Great my stuff. friend. Thanks so much. Thanks, Terrific stuff as always. All right. Buck Martinez, Blue Jays voice on Sportsnet. As uh get ready for the second game of that three-game series. Interesting, Buck talking about about Kevin Gossman and that that his evolution as a pitcher. Well, and, you and saw early in games, you saw 91. And, and, and then you start looking at more of why it's 91. Looked to me like he was relying more on movement. You wanted that, that little movement can you tell, to get weak contact. Can you tell when a pitcher is deliberately taking velocity off I, as, I, a, as, a, as a hitter? Can, I you, can you tell so. that? I, yeah, I think so because when, when he needed the extra gear, he had it. You know that 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 would tell you that. He's but it's not to something you something. know in the moment, right? Like if you're standing at the plate and you're seeing 91 and no, 91 no in qu- the first no inning. No question, you can see that. There's a big difference between 91 and 95, 96. A huge difference. Like you can tell you got that little extra split second to let the ball travel. But he's trying to look to me like anyway. Early in the game, he was trying to rely on some weak contact to get him deeper in the game. Buck mentioned it there. It's a long season. Guys don't have the the consistent gear all the time of, you know, maintaining that velocity. So what do you do? You try and add a little bit more movement. You know, it's more about I put more pressure on a, a seam to get it to have late movement, to get late caught, to, to get contact. And yeah, it is what it is. That's, I think, when you're a good starter like Kevin is, you have to do certain things, parts of the season. Last year may have taught him something. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch, he struggled. Whether it's tipping pitches, that tipping pitching thing for me, for a veteran guy, that's an excuse. I know they like to use it. That's the first thing they go to because they don't really really want to tell you what the problem is. They don't want to let the cat out of the bag, Jeff. So they, the first thing you go to, oh, he's tipping pitches. Well, really? Was he really? It's a veteran guy has been around forever. He should know how to repeat mechanics and not have that happen. So 
Then you start looking at where's the location, how much is it movement, moving, what's the velocity at, how's he look against left-handed hitters, and then you start seeing the movement on the 91, and that may be the adjustment. So just everything that goes together on a marathon season is – Starters have to go through it. You do it in the American League East, short ballparks. You know, these these games matter. They see the offense going what the offense goes through, just like we do. And every pitch matters, and he'll he'll make the adjustments he has to make. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about Buck's comments about playoffs late in the game. You need a bunt. What do you do? Well, you bunt until you have to take it off, and then they swing away. It's... You know, I'm going to say that a Verlander is not the easiest guy to bunt off of. You know, he's going to elevate. He's going to, you know, he's going to have late movement. He's going to throw breaking balls. Oh, oh, if he starts to see you turning. They know situations. It's not going to be the easiest thing. you got to practice that. And, you know, good teams, if you want to move on, they have to do this. How difficult is it when you're Santiago Espinal and you are geared up the bunt and you see the first baseman, and like the Cubs are practically on top of him Mm -hmm. last night. Challenging him. The third, the third him baseman to, was not. No, the first, the ba- first baseman but, but, was. You know how how challenging would it be to take the bot to take the bunt off for a hitter? Like, are you geared up mentally to even if you can't do it, you're geared up mentally to bunt. Now it comes off and you got to swing it's away. Not is, the that, tri-league. is that it's the, difficult? It's not the tri league. It's to get it done. League. You want to play more? I mean, Buck. I asked the question of certain mm-hmm. guys want to play. You know, they're they're fighting for playing time. Kevin Biggio's having some better bats, playing good defense, running the bases. There's competition there. You want to play more? Get the butt down. This time of the year, there's no excuses, right? You come certain situations of the game, that manager's giving you that play because he thinks you can execute it. Now, if that play comes around again, what's what's John going to do? You're going to give it to him again? Because he just saw you, you can't do it. I mean, you basically just rolled it to the first baseman so he can throw it to the third baseman. I... It's just this is what it is. If you're a role player, like a lot of those guys are that are asked to bunt, the impact guys, they're not going to bunt. It's the guys that are, and we all know those names. Those are the guys that have to practice this. It's up to them. It's not up to the manager, the hitting coach. No, it's not up to them this time of the year. It's up to that player to, to go and, you know, if you have to crowd the plate, stand right on top of it and set the angle to the third baseman, then well, that's what you have to do. Many people were wondering about uh, on on social media and elsewhere about Bo not bunting uh, last night in the ninth inning. With one, uh, two, three, four, five. Bo's hitting in the five hole. You're a run producer in the five hole. First and second, you ain't bunting. I'm sorry. Like I know what they say, and Bo's having a down year and all those things. It's a lot of where you're hitting in the order. Okay, you want him to bunt, hit him eighth. That's just, you're hitting fifth. You are a run producer that day. First and second, get a good pitch to hit. Hit a ball hard. Well, and I also, I, I wonder, the other thing I'm looking at, too, is. A lot of people don't like to hear that, though. No, does, I know. I, I know how to bunt. I, I don't know. I Listen, I, I'm the same way. I'm not saying I would have done it, but I'm saying a lot of people were, a lot of people think that's a gimme. You got a man on second base. A lot of people think that in extra innings, especially at home, man in second base, the next dude's got to come up and uh-huh. bunt. Then you put a man in third base, and theoretically, it should give you an easier chance to score. Okay, he's bunting it over. There was a there was a pinch hitter, so it wouldn't have been Kevin Biggio. It would have been somebody else. So you're taking the bat out of Bo's hand to give it to somebody else. Jackie Bradley Jr. So you, really, that's, I, you, so you got to look at big picture here. Well, you got – no, but hang on. You got – 
What was the situation? Who's he bunting him over for? You got Jackie Bradley Jr. and Chapman coming up, or Biggio and Chapman coming up. So you're bunting Merrifield, who's the pinch runner, or the Manford man, whatever you want to call him. You move him over to third. Now, the, the thing here, though, of course, is is the, the Cubs intentionally walked Alejandro Kirk, right? So now you better get your bunt down right away. You can get Kirk at second base. I mean, Alejandro Kirk, even on a bunt, is a potential double play, no? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it does get you running to third base. But then, to your point, now you got a runner at third base, maybe two out, and you've got Biggio. It's just I didn't think anything of it because I want both swinging away anyhow. But I – just wondered if there's any time you would think that would be a possibility. For Bo? Yeah. Not anytime. for me. Not for me. I'm sorry. This is who you got. He's your everyday shortstop. That's fair. You've asked him to do a lot of things. That's fair. You, you, Not- you put him in the five hole, which is a run producing spot. I mean, you're you're gonna and can Bo bunt? Yeah, well, last time you ever seen Bo bunt. Santiago Espinal has a trouble has trouble bunt. You think Bo can bunt? I'm trying like, to I'm trying well, to think. Not of, the, bun, yeah. Bun's not the easiest thing. I know everybody thinks you should be able to bun a baseball. It's not the easiest thing to do. Not with everybody, especially late in the game with the velocity should now, there, too. No, it's not well, like yeah, you're, yeah, and, and you're trying to get it to go where you want it to go. You're just not trying to put barrel to baseball. You're actually trying to get it to go to the third baseman or the first baseman. So you got a set angle, and you're trying to move your lower half so you don't move the barrel. Up and down. Because when you move the barrel up and down, it's either a foul, a pop-up, or you're out. Because it's you simple it. enough to it's say, though, easy. Kevin, your approach is you don't try to bunt if it isn't a strike. Yeah, it should be. For certain guys who have to bunt yeah. and have to know how to bunt, it should be. Because I'm setting the angle first, and I let my lower half move the barrel where it needs to go. I'm not moving the barrel. I'm not doing these things with the barrel because that's when bad things happen and the ball don't go where you want it to go. That's why you always see every time you see somebody practice and they say, move them over and they want the ball to go to the third. What's the first thing to do? They set the angle. Well, how come you don't do that in the game? Set the angle. So now all I'm doing is moving my lower half. If the ball's down, I'm moving my lower half and it's a strike, 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 strike. I'm moving it down. So I'm not moving the barrel because when I move the barrel, it tends to not hit the sweet spot of the barrel, you and the ball direction. goes, and it goes straight up and down. And So, yeah, it, it sounds so simple, but you have to practice these kind of things. And that's why Buck came on and said we need to teach, teach a guy how to bunt late in the game. If you want to win baseball games, if you want to be a complete team, if you want every fan to take you serious, it's just the little things. Like it's throws that should be made. It's going the extra base. It's catching up. Fly ball when you're supposed to, when the game's on the line. It's getting the guy over when you have to, when you're supposed to be the guy to get the guy over. It's just little things. Because if you don't against good teams, most of the time you're not going to win those games. We have a lot of Barker's back leg bits to get to today. Um, as you were talking, they just kept flooding in. A lot of people talking about bunting. A lot of people talking about Bo. Bo's a thing. Bo's a big thing. Bo's a big I thing. I think a lot of people would like to see Bo not be the shortstop next year. We've got a couple of questions I do, I, about I, that. I do yeah, think people would like that. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we investigate that when we come back? We'll come back with Barker's back leg bits. DMs are open. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. Plenty of time to get in some questions. 590-590 is a text line. You can use the text line as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.
The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder that Kevin Barker and myself will have Blue Jays talk immediately following tonight's game and tomorrow's game as well. Game be nice. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah. Don't be afraid to get. Don't be afraid to score and often. Don't be afraid to get that puppy done before eleven innings. Be afraid. Us old, us old people. Man, I got the drive home too, and that's like. Yeah. You know. Us putting together bunk beds. (laughs) Doing man things, Jeff. (laughs) Putting together bunk beds. Doing man things. Yeah. I was out in the backyard cutting down the trees to build the bunk beds, right? Yeah. Is that what you were doing, weren't I you? I did, yeah. We got that from lumberjack scratch. thing happening from, from scratch. scratch. Damn yeah. right. Cut down them their trees and, and and build yourself a bunk bed. I'm surprised you haven't built a home out of logs yet. Trying. It's expensive. It's that time of the show where uh, we ask you, our listeners or our viewers, to submit questions for Kevin Barker. We like to call it Barker's Backleg Bits. But you take the... You take it over, so it should just be. Well, because I got to read the question, and and huh? All right, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna read the question to you. I'm gonna. That's a lie. I'm gonna offer no, no comment. Okay. okay. As soon as you read somebody that says Bo doesn't need to be the shortstop in 2023, <laughs> huh? Yeah, hang on, I got to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice try, dude. I'm not that that name. I, dude, I wasn't. You know who I'm talking. If you're out there, I wasn't born yesterday. I'm not reading that name out on air. Uh, right? I mean, you know. We've on. all called up the grocery store and asked if they have Robin Hood by the bag and all that. So we we've all done that. We don't need to we don't need to I do that. Five sports in high school. <laughs> um anyhow. <laughs> Dylan. Hello. On the subject of Bo at shortstop, do you think they move him to second base when Aurelvis Martinez is ready to come up? Yeah, Aurelvis Martinez is not playing shortstop for the Blue Jays. Is he? When would that happen? It's Barker's back leg bits. Oh, good one. So you're not going to respond to that at all whatsoever. I'm going to say absolutely not to that. I, I, I might say if they got a better option at short, you'd do that in the offseason because you know, John, if he is the manager next year going into the next, he would have to take a flight to Bo and, you know, they'd have to walk him through that and hold his hand and make sure he's happy. And, you know, they're going to get the best offensive Bo they're going to get by moving him to second. This is why we're doing it. It's best for the team. And that's what I think. I will jump in here. I think you if, should. If you allow me to. There are going to be a crap ton of shortstops on the market this year. Uh-huh. And we know that the Jays have said that they would be willing to have that discussion with Bo for the right guy. I wonder if so that helps. Let, uh, Carlos Correa, for example. Maybe not Sander. I'll tell you the guy that I would love to see, and you know where I'm going here, is Trey Turner. That's going to cost you. That's going to that's gonna dip, Vla- dip into Vladdy's yes, money. Yes, it is. What are you going to do with that? Well, I mean, it's going to cost you. Well, and it would start with a two, a high twos. If you're not going to sign Vladdy to a long-term contract. Well, how do you know they're not? Well, they haven't so far. I'm I'm saying if it's not going to happen, 
Trey Turner, Bichette at second. Boy. Santiago Espinal becomes either a trade chip or a or you know or 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 you a, a piece you move around. I, I'm just saying, if depending on where you want to go with this thing, it has to be an option, does it not? I would certainly think so. It has to be an option. I would certainly think so. And and Bo, the year that Bo's had would make it a lot easier for them to just say, you know, well, we have a better option. I know you'd have to say it a little different than that. Yeah. Because I mean, he we're getting he does, ahead of ourselves. He does work really, really hard on his defense. I mean, he works really hard. So it's not lack of effort. But it's an interesting thought. Yeah. I, th- I think I think I think the balance in the lineup is very important. How they get that, how they sprinkle those in. And that's just on top of it. I mean, they're they have a lot to do in the offseason. David Doaniak wants to know if you think the Jays' inconsistencies are a result of modern baseball analytics. Maybe. I don't know how we're going here, but he talked about the 92, 93, 15, and 16 teams had good or great players that played every day. 2022 team has a handful of these types of players. The others are a collective that all must produce at the same time in order to replicate the results of a good or great MLB everyday player. Mm-hmm. So we should enjoy the ride because the khakis and analytics give us a team that is greater than the sum of their parts. Until Ross gets us better everyday players, we will ride the roller coaster. You think there's something there? Yeah, maybe. It's 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 very hard to add, to answer that question because I, I do think listening to Buck talk and George Springer talk about it, the information that they take in, it sounds like it's very individual. Certain guys need it, certain guys don't. Just me an example. I had to simplify it as much as possible. I'm going to look heater until you make me change it. I will always look heater. Derek Jeter, what'd he say? I'll look heater until you yep. make me adjust. I'll look right down the middle. I'm not overthinking this because I think this is what I think. I think if I take that good one that you throw me that I can't hit anyway, sooner or later you're going to throw me one down the middle. And when you throw it to me because I'm looking for it and everything is combined and connected and I'm short and quick because I'm thinking, I'm taking that one. But I'm going to get this one, and when I get it, because all the things are matched up and lined up the way they're supposed to be lined up, I'm going to hit that hard, and I'm going to be a good hitter because of it. So I do think they they seems like they overwhelm some people, but I you know it does it is odd a little bit, because a pitcher that's not real good can come in here that they've never seen before and just wear them out. Well, like last night. Buck made an interesting point, and I, I would like to know, maybe when we're out at the park, we can ask some guys. I I don't think I've ever asked player, what exactly are you looking for when you sit down and look at the iPad? Buck made an interesting point about George Springer. George Springer's not interested in what the pitcher sure. throws or what he threw four starts ago. Of the He's pitches, looking at his swing. Out. How did mm-hmm. my swing? I know how my swing felt mm-hmm. when I was up at the plate. I know how it felt. How did it look? And I wonder how many guys are doing that and, and, and maybe more concerned. They're more concerned about what they are doing or what they did as opposed to what the pitcher did. I, there's a... I think there's a lot to that. I, because Dante Bichette, remember, a lot of that. Dante talked about with Bo, Bo was all swing path. It wasn't that he was late to the ball or anything like that. It was all swing path with Bo. Get in it as soon as you can and keep it in as long as you can. For me, again, I, this, I'll die. You, what you say all the time, you'll die on that hill. 
I'm going to die on the hill of what you swing at is more important than your mechanics, especially this time of the year. Mechanics, timing, all those things. What you do in the cage, most of the time, soft toss and tee is where you want it, right? It's if I want it, it's a lot of the times, some of the times, you'll move the tee around after you get loose and you get the flow of to where your finish wants to go of down the middle. And then that's when you start moving around and, you, and then you get where the ball's going and how it looks coming off the, the bat, how it feels coming off the bat. Why is when you go to the plate should be any different? Because I make maximum contact on those pitches. If I can lay off of those other pitches and get that pitch, then I'll hit the ball the way I want to hit it and it'll go where it should go. Todd Newfoundland on our text line, and our text line is 590-590. Questions for Kevin and Jeff. Last night in the top of the 11th with a runner on third with two outs, the Jays intentionally walked the left-handed batter to face the right-handed batter, and it worked out. I'm questioning, though, why they didn't hold the runner in first and allowed him to take the extra base. That This move put two runners in scoring position, and the second run is very big in extra innings. What are your thoughts on this Wait, move? wait, what inning is that? I forgot. The eleventh uh, inning. Yeah, that was with Garcia. Garcia is not very good at holding runners on. He's tried before. He's not very. He's not very good at it. And he's thinking about the hitter. Yeah, and I want. I to mean, make, there's two outs. I want him to get that hitter. Out. I want the play made in the ball. No don't question. You? Yeah. I, I want. I want him to only think about getting the hitter out. Yeah. That's the. That's the easy answer. You're to right. That. No, two runs is harder to come back no for question. than one run. But I think. It is more when you're playing at home. Simplify it for that guy standing on the mound as much as you possibly can. Yes. Don't give him distraction to have to worry about slide stepping, be quicker to the plate. Who cares, right? Got two outs. Get that dude out. Innings over. Yeah. So I think it's more about that. Good than thought, it though. Is. I mean, it, it is. That's, because, a, that's because, a great question. You know, it there's is. always this but story to simplify it as much as you can. Back before the days of shifts, people always used to say you guard the line late in the game. Think right? long, think wrong. They say. Yep. Uh, Darren in Burlington, this team is young. And to that point, do you think negative social media is a factor in the mindset of some of these players? I'm do you sure think it it's is. time for the fan base to understand these guys never hit the field trying to lose. And maybe it's time to try to be better, to better support the positives instead of overemphasizing the negatives. Um, is it more on us to be that morale boost in the club that is often discussed? I would argue, uh, well, it's, it's up to the player to not listen to it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a grown man who's making a ton of money. You should be able to not pick up Twitter or Instagram and read what some person's saying about you that really doesn't know what you're going through off the field to try and make yourself the best player on the field. So it's up to the player for me to just not pay attention to it. And you're a big boy. Yeah. Like, you know what you're getting yourself into. If you're a big boy and you're making this kind of money, you're expected to do things. Yeah, I mean, and when I, you don't do them, you got to, you, every once in a while, you got to be, you know, Used to catching some heat for it. I mean, there, there are two types of – and there's two types of fan reaction, negative fan reaction. There's the booing that boos. I talked about this the other day. Mm -hmm. Vladdy got booed in one of those games against the Angels because he didn't make a play. There's booing the moment, which happens. Mm -hmm. Happens to great players. But then there's the, you know, the stuff you get into New York where it becomes a thing to sure. really – let's get in this Aaron guy. Hicks. Let's bust his ass, right? Aaron like, Hicks. let's mm – -hmm. exactly. Um and, and I think most players kind of realize that. But, I mean, I got to tell you, I don't think the only time I've had a player talk about negative social media is when it's become personal, when it's dealt with his family or when it's dealt with sure. him in a, in, a, in a personal manner, not related 
to what he's I, doing on the field, right? I not will, related to what he's doing on the field. I will say this. It would be easier for a starting pitcher to get involved in that social media stuff than it would an everyday player. An everyday player can pass the time by going out and playing yeah. every single day. A, a pitcher, you know, can scroll, gets bored. What are you doing? I'm scrolling. I see you stink. You're awful. Why are you throwing a curveball? Your curveball stinks. And, you know, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to read that about themselves. So I think – Again, for me anyway, this is just part of it. If you're going to be an everyday guy, you're going to be polarizing like most of these guys are. You know, you're the only team in Canada when it comes to baseball. Just don't pick up the phone and pay attention to it. You know when you're doing well when you're not. Do you think Tay Oscar, Kevin, this is from Mike B. Do you think Tay Oscar, most of this season and of late, is playing his way out of a big money contract? Absolutely. He's playing it out of a big money contract here, I can Absolutely. tell you that much. I think that, I think that ship that has ship already... Is, well, that's in another port. Frankly, that ship hasn't that sailed. Has just, that ship is in another port. You can't port. even see the ship. You can't see the ship. No, it's, <laughs> no. In, it's in another port. They're I'll taking all the old letter. food out. They're getting Absolutely. the garbage out. They're cleaning out the latrines. That that ship is in another port right now, getting ready to the launch. The people that I'd talked to before, I think they were on the fence already. And I think they're on that other side of the fence running. Yeah, I would. So, uh, yeah, I think so. And I think other teams, it's going to be tough for him. The, the, the talent's there. I mean, he's got everything you need to be a really good baseball player. He's got more power than anybody on his team. Anybody. You see him going to right center, you see it's as easy. much as I do. I mean, it is easy with backspin way up at the Rogers, way, way up where most right-handed hitters should never be allowed to go. But then you see the things, the baseball IQ, and, and it looks like he's not trying, which I hate saying that word, so I'm not going to use that. It's weird. But the baseball IQ thing a lot of the times just don't go with his talent. And it's weird because, you know, we know that Tay Oscar – you see him in the dugout. We know that he likes to have fun. But he doesn't, Kevin, he doesn't, the body language on the field, he doesn't seem to, this sounds really, really trite, but he doesn't seem to be having fun when he's on the field. And what I what I mean by fun is just kind of the way you go, you know, Vladdy can be scuffing. Vladdy has fun when he's in the field. When's the last time you saw Vladdy 10 for 55 with 25 punches? Well, would you be I, fun? Would you have be? Would you have yeah. fun on the field? That's fair not point. live. Fair point. Fair I've told, point. I've told point. you this since you've known me. They are hitters first. Fair point. And then there's everything else. And when you're ten for fifty-five, I think that's what it was. Ten for fifty-five. I saw with twenty-five punches. <laughs> how much fun you think you'd have, Jim? Yannick Cote. How bad defensively is Nathan Luke's that we need to claim Zimmer again off waivers? <laughs> Does he have something on Shapiro and Atkins? I believe this team has more than enough cover in the outfield rather than have a player that has bat the ball skill sitting at the end of the bench. And have a, I'd rather have a player that has bat the ball skill sitting at the end of the bench than Zimmer. If you don't know the Jays claim Bradley yeah. Zimmer on waivers yesterday, he will be, Ross Atkins has said this, when the rosters expand, he will be the extra position player joining the team. Not going to be Gabriel Moreno. It's going to be Bradley Zimmer plus another pitcher. Mm-hmm. Now, that pitcher will either be, I would imagine, Zach Pop, Julian Merriweather. Maybe if they need a lefty. Just me, Kevin, something I think they need to look at. Maybe if they need a lefty, you've got a guy like Matt Gage, or I don't even know, Tyler Saucedo. Uh, Saucedo. <clears throat> Nate Pearson is, who the hell knows where Nate Pearson is? I think he's going to be throwing... I, whatever I I don't he hasn't I don't think he's pitched in a game yet no um but 
John Schneider was asked about Bradley Zimmer and 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 John Schneider in a very John Schneider like with a very John Schneider like answer said he has a particular skill set that appeals to us. And what is that skill set? It's one of those questions you generally don't you know, you didn't have a follow up. I didn't have a follow up because I'm smart enough to know when a manager is yeah, slithering yeah. away, and and I'm okay with First that. Time, I'm I, okay with I that. I agree with the person that texts that in. I I have no idea. Like I don't know the answer to that. I I, I don't know what he what Bradley Simmer brings. The only thing I can figure is the Teoscar thing. That's that's the only. Th- I guess that's the only thing I can figure. My and they don't care if Bradley Zimmer sits over there and never plays. My that was my thought exactly. That's the only thing I can. What if, I have no idea. What if Teoscar Teoscar's injury is longer term, and you have to give Springer a day off, then theoretically Zimmer gives you defense in center field. Jackie Bradley Jr. can play right field. I that's that's mm-hmm. where to me that's where this is going. Because otherwise Jackie Bradley Jr. can give me I'll have him in center field instead of Bradley Zimmer. But it's a tough look when a dude ain't hitting his weight. I mean it's tough. I'd yeah. love to be able to do that. Yeah. Come on and play first. Defense <laughs> and Man, Nathan Lucas. That's great for him. I, I listen Good for Bradley Zimmer. Someone, someone is going to have to tell me why did the Jays have a Triple A affiliate? I, I, as far as I can tell, the only reason the Buffalo Bisons have existed this year is to give Gabriel Moreno a place to play. For the most part, they don't have any that's pitchers down there point. that anybody seems to like. Nope. Right. Um, there's no position players down there that they can bring up or seem to want to bring up. You know, maybe there's a 40-man roster. But there's there's nothing there. Like, we've talked about the the lack of minor league depth in this organization when it comes to making trades. It's not only that, but every year we hear, well, we know we're going to need, you're probably going to need 8 to 10 starting pitchers every year. And, 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 and where the hell are those 8 to 10 starting pitchers? They're picking guys up. They're picking Brad Peacocks or whatever the hell his name was. You know? They're picking these guys up as the, as as the season goes on. Mm. I'm I'm sorry. Why are I'm you, with you Why are you claiming Bradley's Why are you claiming Bradley Zimmer's? You should have a Bradley Zimmer in your organization. I'm with you. Except he should be 25 years old. I, th- this is, and it's not like I, I understand they've made moves. They traded. I get mm-hmm. they traded for Chapman. <clears throat> they've made all these. They, they've made moves. But man, you. I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. I, I don't get claiming Bradley Zimmer on. I mean, actually, Bradley Zimmer's coming out of my ass at AAA. I should. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, uh, as I said, I just do not get, I, I don't get, I don't get it. I just. Get in line with that one. Don't, I don't get either. it. Ryan talks about, uh, wants to talk about Alejandro Kirk's slide. He said the same thing happened with Vladdy on Friday too. I'm going to, I don't exactly remember. I, I sort of vaguely remember the play. Mm-hmm. That was the double play, I think, right? The same thing happened with Vladdy on Friday too for Barker. How often do big leaguers work on sliding Never. and base running? It's getting embarrassing. Never. Did you used to put the pan? They used to have the sliding yeah, drills. Spring, spring training. Spring yeah. training sliding drills. You put the padded fa- pants on and you'd yeah, the, slide. The, 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 uh, Minor league coordinator would put them on and show you how to slide with the under and look how pretty I am. Look at me with my yeah. hands straight in the I'm air. A, yeah. How many times I ever did that? Zero. Didn't slide in with your hands I was too up big in the air because like... I couldn't keep my foot on the ground. Yeah, you talked about that, yeah. 
Because I, I want to do pop-up slide most of the time because I could that would get me to the bag when I needed to get there and I could slide to where I wanted to slide to. So I would just sort of flip it on one side a little bit more so my foot was sideways. See, I think It's the, an adjustment you have to make. The Look other, at Kevin Biggio. I think he slid into home plate. Yeah. He kicked it to one side. The other thing I, I think that has happened that might explain that is because you don't have the takeout slide at second base anymore and because of the way... The, the way the, the rules are enforced at home plate now. Let's face it, guys usually slide head first. Yeah. And you know what? I never could I, do that. I don't want to. And you know what? There is one drill I do yeah. not. I, I, God bless the coach who comes out in spring training and says, boys, today we're working on a head first slide. Yeah. I what did could that. go wrong I with a head first slide in spring training? I did that one time in Toledo, and they had like some song for me every time I came up because it looked awful. I almost killed myself. Sliding head first. Like, yeah. I almost tore my chin off. And that's but that's that, I never do it. I had, like, strawberries up my tricep. How do you do that? <laughs> Todd Stottlemyre, yeah, with the, the sliced yeah. open. Man, yeah, it was awful. It was awful. Like, tore half my but uniform I, off. I think that's part of the I think that's part of the reason. It goes to your whole uh, point about base running. Base running's become a lost atrocious. art in this game. It's atrocious. Not, it's not base running. It's what you do on the bases. Big difference. So giant, I can run, anybody can run around the bases, anybody. It's about how you run around the bases, when you run around the bases. It's like if I'm on second base and I'm the winning run, I'm the run that can put me ahead and a line drives in, freeze. Where am I going? I just don't get it. Like, I think, I'm at it. I think we hit a nerve with that last question, <laughs> well, I mean, Ryan. Thanks for that. Yeah, it was great stuff. That's it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern. Remember, if you're listening to us via podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, say nice things about Kevin Barker. Absolutely. You don't have to say anything about me. Not that we read the reviews, but everybody says rate, review, and subscribe, so I figured I'd do that. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on 590-360, the Sportsnet Radio Network, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Don't forget Blue Jays Talk tonight. Quick game. Come on, Marcus. Gossman and Marcus, I know you want to do it for me. Make it quick tonight. Talk to you later.